This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. I'm going to do something I usually hate seeing other sports media do. I'm going to call out a fan base. I've been trying to talk myself out of this all day, but I was just too annoyed by Tar Heel fans this weekend that I've just got to say something. It is not time to start worrying about basketball season. Okay, I heard that at least a dozen times at Keenan Stadium on Saturday. More people that seem interested to talk about what happened at late night at Roy the night before than talking about the fact that you're facing the number one football team in the country and nearly beat them. And then after the game ends, a lot of hoity-toity North Carolina fans out there who are saying, huh, well, maybe one of these times we could beat the number one team in the country. Ah, well, since we didn't, uh, we'll just move on forward. And maybe I'll care about this football team when we start beating Alabama or Clemson or the top teams that exist. Anybody who shares that sentiment, this you're probably not going to like the next five minutes of what I want to say here. Tario fans, they flat out disappointed me. I feel like the dad telling the kid that I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. First off, they didn't show up the way they even did in state game. 80% of one side of the stands was orange. Clemson fans. And shout out to Clemson fans. They travel very well. But I go to StubHub and I'm looking at tickets the day before the game and I see, okay, Appalachian State game, they floated around $95 to about 112 That's like the cheapest ticket you can find. For this game, it was between $55 to $70, the cheapest ticket, for the number one team in the country. And part of that I get, okay? It's a 28-point spread here. Everybody thought the Tar Heels were going to get murdered. So if you're a Tar Heel fan, you might not want to be at that game while the Tar Heels are getting trounced. But the part that bothers me is when fans check out and say the line that they've been throwing out there and toting for years now, oh, well, I guess we're on to basketball season in the month of September. In past years, you've had excuses to do that. The last two years, perfect examples. Okay, the team's bad. We know they're bad. They're not going to go to a bowl game. So, yeah, let's focus on what Roy and the boys have. But here, could you have asked for a better five-game schedule to open things up? And on top of that, great five-game schedule, South Carolina, Miami, Wake Forest, Appalachian State, Clemson, all are driving distance away. North Carolina hasn't gotten on a plane yet. So if you're a Tar Heel fan, you could go watch the Tar Heels play in Charlotte against South Carolina. You could go watch them on the road, play at Wake Forest. And then at home, the number one team in the country, the defending champs are in your house. Appalachian State, in your house. First time you've played the Mountaineers since 1939. Or excuse me, 1940. Miami, in your house. Night game in Chapel Hill. Not only do you have that, all five of the games are entertaining and come down to the final play. South Carolina, you're down 20-9. to nine. Rally win it. Miami. Last second field goal doesn't work after Daz Newsom makes a crazy catch for a touchdown. 
You convert the fourth and 16 or whatever it was. Wake Forest, you have the ball. You're down 24-18, but you don't get that final second. It was riveting. Appalachian State, you're lining up for a field goal to try and tie it up. It's partially blocked. You lose by three. And then you are facing the defending champion, Clemson Tigers. You have the ball, and you score a touchdown. You go for two to try and win the game against a team that hasn't played a competitive football game in a year. Trevor Lawrence has started and finished 14 games heading into Saturday at Chapel Hill. His average win was 35 points. He's won every game by an average of 35 points. The Tar Heels and Mac Brown did something that Nick Saban couldn't do, that Brian Kelly couldn't do, that top coaches across the country couldn't do, Dave Doran couldn't do. They found a way to make the game competitive. A Trevor Lawrence-led Clemson team. And they had him on the ropes with a chance to decide the game and win it. And the game ends. And what am I hearing walking out of the stadium? Not, wow, we need to get behind Mac Brown. He's got this program coming back. No, it's talking about Notre Dame, the basketball opener. And what happened with Late Night with Roy? Some of you might be thinking, this is a straw man. No, it isn't. I was there Saturday. I look at my Twitter mentions. I talk to media members. They tell me about some of the posts that they have, how much interaction there is for football when you just barely lose to the defending champs versus late night with Roy content. And I'm here to tell you this is not a straw man. It's something that bothers me. North Carolina fans, please do better. This team deserves much more support than what they're getting here. It's exciting football. It's great games. This is a bowl team. Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, those are both winnable games. Duke at home, winnable game. You're telling me NC State's not winnable? Every game on North Carolina's schedule is winnable if Clemson was a winnable game. How good's the Coastal? How good's the ACC that you can't win in it? I get asked to put out my ACC rankings every single week for accsports.com. I have North Carolina as the fifth-ranked team. And you might say, Josh, how do you do that? You rank them. It's easy. Clemson 1, Wake Forest 2, Virginia 3. Good luck after that. I have Duke 4 just because of the way they won at Virginia Tech. North Carolina 5 because who else are you putting there? Miami? They lost to North Carolina. Syracuse? Not a chance. Boston College? They lost to Kansas. I just think the support needs to be better there. So I'm doing the thing that I wish other radio stations, other radio hosts wouldn't do, and I swore I won it, but man, I couldn't help but get that off my chest here. Joey in Thomasville in on the Sports Hub, 336-777-1600 if you want in on the show. Joey, you're a UNC diehard. Is this something you notice? Does it bother you? I do. Okay. To some extent, but not nearly the extent that you're saying. What I will say, in this state, Carolina is one of the most supported. Uh, I, I would give NC State that as well. But football, basketball, baseball. Let me. You must be sitting with Josh. I love you, buddy. But you must be sitting with the uh, the, the courtside uh, guys at the Dean Dome because they might be the ones saying that. But the people that I hang around with, man, we suffered through the last two years. We sit there and we're still going to games. We're still watching the games. We're still pulling for them. We're 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 behind the Mac is back and. And all that, and we are uh, beyond uh, excited 
about this football team and about where he's taking us. Uh, we, we love baseball. We refer to Duke. If there's a team in the state that you can make that claim about, it would be Duke. We refer to them as dumb fans, Duke University men's basketball fans, because they care nothing about the football team, the baseball team, anything else. We love this team. The people that I hang around, you need to come with me. You need to come with me to a game because the people that I hang around, they love Carolina sports, period. Not just basketball, but the whole gamut. I'm talking about women's soccer. I'm talking about baseball. Oh, my gosh, to win a World Series, you know, to, to win the national championship in baseball would be just a dream for me. And, and, and to have Matt back and to know that they are going to be soon competing. I say going into this year, I knew what he had to work with. I knew it was a young team. I predicted five and seven outside shot at maybe six and six. And I said we would make some noise this year. We would start contending next year. All right. Joey, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate that. I wish there were more fans like Joey. But what he's describing there, that's not the majority of Tar Heel fans. It isn't. And I'm not hanging around just the hoity-toity courtside folks. That's not what I'm hanging around. I'm I'm on the field. Uh, I'm venturing around in the stands. I'm in the press box. I get the emails. I get the I get the tweets. So I'd like to think I got a pretty good feel of things. I'm on. I'm I'm hanging out in the tailgate lots with David Glenn. I'm meeting some hardcore North Carolina fans. So don't get me wrong. The Joeys are out there. They're out there. But I just wish there were more of them. And there's less talk of checking out after what was the most entertaining five game stretch any team in the country has had. And there's nothing else. There's no other team you can dispute that with. There's no one else who's close to this five-game stretch North Carolina had in terms of opponents and quality of games. Yes, Dad. Um, I, I think I think a lot of Carolina fans are probably taking a wait and see uh, just with everything involved with it. Matt coming back, not knowing exactly what we got, knowing what we had last year. He's using players that aren't really totally his yet. So I think a lot of it was that. I will say that there's probably – more interest in the Carolina football program today as we sit here than there was six weeks ago from the Carolina faithful. Like, that that can't be disputed. They're, they are more on the radar than they were a month and a half ago. It's sustained winnings what will bring those people to the level that you think they should be at today. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about how infamous this area is as a basketball, college basketball area. Like, it's a notorious college basketball area. Um, and even with the Panthers, like it took a while of sustained success for the Panthers to really get a good foothold around here. So I would think the same would be true for UNC football. Like it just takes a little doing. Panthers still struggle with it. It's just when when he makes the comparison to Duke, it's not the same. Okay, you have David Cutcliffe, but he took over a program that it was almost court ruled was the worst college football program in the country. North Carolina has resources, and they've had. What have you done for me lately? Uh, how about an ACC championship appearance just three years ago? Four years ago, excuse me, the 2015 season, <laughs> where you're winning double-digit games. When's the last time NC State's been to the ACC championship game? And most people, younger people, don't remember it because it hasn't happened in their lifetime. The Butch Davis years produced some pretty big moments for North Carolina. There was that Thursday night game, I think it was against FSU, where it happened. So there are moments, I'm not going to give North Carolina that out. I'm just not going to give the fans that out, saying that they haven't had anything recent to talk about. When you beat South Carolina and Miami in the opener, and you did something that Saban and Brian Kelly couldn't do against Clemson this past weekend. I'm just not going to accept that. You actually hit the nail on the head with what you just said. 
that's that's the, literally the reason why Carolina has not Carolina fans have not gravitated towards the football in the way you want them to yet. Everything you just laid out was not sustained. It was all spurts. It was all but that's college two years football. here. Two years there. The only thing that's not sustained are five or six programs like college basketball. True, but you right? got, but like you got, there's Ohio like Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, and Clemson. They're the only programs that do that that churn things out every single year. Yeah, that's with true. that kind of consistently, but uh, the, consistency. But the fan base that you're you know reprimanding, they're used to sustained excellence. That's right. the problem, and that's the part that ticks me off. Right, and, and you can be mad at them for it, but they're they're going to look at it you know in a different light. It sounds spoiled. It sounds entitled. That's what it sounds like. Oh, hoity-toity. Ah, well, yeah, North Carolina. Well, we win in basketball all the time. And, you know, in football, we hope we can do the same thing. And if we don't, that that's where the name comes from. And I just wish there were more, like that last caller that we had, more North Carolina fans like that. So, you know what? Fine. We'll take the calls at 336-777-1600. I know I'm murdering the clock right now. I don't really care. On Twitter, at Sports Hub Triad, if you care to chime in that way. Where are we going to? Let's go to Michael and Winston-Salem very quickly. Michael, what do you got on North Carolina? First off, Michael, are you a UNC fan? Well, no, I'm from Maryland. Um, since I came down here, I actually started to like App State because it seems like the football around North Carolina, the entire ACC besides Clemson, is just dominated by uh, – Basketball. The ACC is dominated by basketball. They can't get no love for football. Yeah, there's only two true, I think, football schools in the state. Thanks for the call, Michael. And that's Appalachian State, and that's East Carolina. Maybe NC State, but I still think Wolfpack fans care about basketball more than they care about football. There are some who might disagree with me on that. That's that's just the way I feel about it. What have we learned about the Kyle Allen-led Panthers through the last two weeks? That's next on The Drive. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. You're all a bunch of freaks. I think I'm going crazy. Wait a minute. This could be some kind of scam. Or possibly scam all of As long as everybody's here, party. On Sports Hub Triad. The Panthers win again, and here's what I think we've learned about Carolina during these last two road wins. This isn't a playoff team exactly, with Kyle Allen at the controls under center, but there's still a tough out, which means if Cam Newton gets healthy in time, this isn't only a contender to win the NFC South, but to win the entire NFC, to potentially appear in Super Bowl 54. Because if you're pushing back on what I'm saying right now, I have a very simple question to ask you. Who is the best team in the NFC at this present moment? 336-777-1600. On Twitter, it's Sports Hub Triad. There's only one beaten team in the NFC. Des, can you name them? In the NFC, it is the... That's the reaction you should have because it's the San Francisco 49ers. There it is. 3-0, they didn't play yesterday. I like Carolina more than them. The Rams got rolled at home by Tampa. Dallas lost to Teddy Bridgewater. The Packers lost at home to a winless Eagles. If Cam returns, the Carolina Panthers are right there. Because I don't care 
what your view of the last two weeks are. I don't care how big of a Carolina homer you are, how much you're drinking the Kool-Aid, or what shade of blue your Carolina Panthers blue-tinted shades are. There is undeniably a ceiling with Kyle Allen. He's going to start next week. Ron Rivera made that known today. He expects Allen to start against the Jaguars as the Panthers return home Sunday afternoon. But let's just be honest. They should have lost yesterday's game. When you lose three fumbles on the road, you should not be able to win in the NFL. But it wasn't just that. The Texans missed a field goal. Deshaun Watson missed at least two touchdown passes down the field. Most notably, DeAndre Hopkins on a post beating James Bradbury, who's been great all year long. No Trey Turner. No KK Short. No Dante Jackson. Carolina should not have been able to win this game yesterday. Heck, the miss face mask call and Bruce Irvin. I'm glad Carolina ended up winning because that makes this team more interesting. That was the more interesting result, but they caught breaks. Let's not act like Kyle Allen has all of a sudden elevated Carolina to a point Cam Newton is incapable when he's healthy of lifting Carolina to. There, there are heights with Cam Newton at quarterback that Allen just can't obtain. That's not a slight on Kyle Allen, by the way. You're an undrafted player. Cam Newton is a transcendent talent who's won an MVP award, who I still think today is more than likely a Hall of Famer than not a Hall of Famer. Just look at guys who are active winners of that award. Matt Ryan's going to break every single record. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame just by sheer, uh, sheer statistics alone. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Adrian Peterson. These guys are going to be Hall of Famers. Cam Newton is in that class because he's won that award. And he's only 30 years old. He's not 37 like Big Ben Roethlisberger. This is a playoff roster. That's what we learned the last two weeks. James Bradbury. I got to apologize to that guy. Before the year, I said the Panthers should not pay him because he's not even the best corner on this team. He's been great all season long, to the point where he has people saying, Pay that man his money. Yeah, I think I'm on board with that. JB's been great. The pass rush, it's been clearly fixed. Uh, it just took Irvin, who played in his first game. It took Brian Burns. How do you think the team's picking in the first 15 picks of the draft are feeling now, letting Brian Burns drop the number 16? He has to be the front runner for defensive rookie of the year at this point. Just... Tremendous play all over the field, whether it's on special teams, getting a piece of that punt, constantly being in the backfield, penetrating on run, and also pass. He's been terrific. Carolina, all over the backfield yesterday. Mario Addison, turns out the key to getting him revitalized is lessening his snaps and having him pin his, ear back, uh, his ears back on certain snap counts. Have him... Not be your number one three-down rusher, but have him in, on third down. Have him in certain situations where you think there's pass, get after the quarterback. And that happened at certain points. Ron Rivera's pressing the right buttons. I think he deserves the game ball yet again because he's the defensive coordinator in addition to being the team's head coach. But we're focusing so much on defense. Let's also focus on Christian McCaffrey too. The guy's a cyborg. Catching that pass at the end of the game... 175 total yards, and it's just balanced. 
catching and uh, and rushing the football. The NFC's wide open. This team, if Cam Newton gets healthy, is going to be a contender. I think... I'm not going to try and speculate how long Cam's going to be out. I'm not a doctor. It looks like doctors don't even know what's going on. Cam, right as we were getting off the air on Friday, put out a 15-minute long video. He's sitting, facing a camera, smoking a cigar, drinking wine, and he was very candid. I think there's just so much to glean from this video. I think we learned so much from Cam. But he says that it's a mild list, Frank, sprain. That's the way he put it, a mild list, Frank. And he wouldn't say when he would return, but this is what he would comment on moving forward. It could very well be a week, or it could be two weeks. It could be three weeks. It could be four weeks. It could be six weeks. But the thing that I have to understand and know, if it takes that time, I trust in this team that they will, we will still be in a great situation by the time I get back. How's this for a stat? Will Bryan just brought this from Panthers.com. We're going to chat with Bill Voth in a little over 20 minutes who was in Houston for the game. Christian McCaffrey, while we're spending time talking about what he's doing offensively, leads the NFL with 629 scrimmage yards through four games. It's a franchise record and the sixth most scrimmage yards for any player through the first four games of a season since 2000. So we haven't seen it in nearly 20 years the kind of start that Christian McCaffrey is off to. Desmond Johnson produced today's show, taking your calls at 336-777-1600. But you heard it there from Cam. He wants to be 100%. When he does return, he feels like his team's going to be in good spot, in a good spot. And I think yesterday's win all but solidified that because Carolina has two games left until they get to the bye week. The Jaguars at home, Gardner Minshew, Uncle Rico, Minshew Mania, going to be in Charlotte this weekend. Returning to the state of North Carolina after he spent two years on the ECU football roster. Very winnable game. Allen will be starting in that one. Then it's Tampa Bay and London. And I think that's going to be another competitive football game. I think the Panthers need to win one of those two games. Go into that bye week with at least a 3-3 three and three record. And I think... That San Francisco game on October 27th is one you circle as a potential date Cam Newton could return. Because that would be a little over six weeks to when Cam Newton sustained the injury. Remember, it was on a Thursday night. So then six weeks later, this is where the Panthers are. If that's when Cam returns, I think it's a perfect spot for Carolina. I think they need Cam Newton in in order to be a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're quite a playoff team with Kyle Allen playing quarterback. Shifting gears to the NCAA. They're trying to play catch-up now. Now that Gavin Newsom, the California state governor, has signed into law this pay Fair Play to Pay Act that will allow for athletes, college athletes, to benefit off their likeness to collect endorsement money. Gavin Newsom did it on the shop with LeBron James and Maverick Carter. I think also you had a lot of other star athletes who were sitting in there as well, but 
Newsom put this on Twitter. Colleges reap billions from students of athletes, but block them from earning a single dollar. That's a bankrupt model. I designed the fair play to pay act with LeBron James, making California the first state to allow athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness. Okay. This California law is a common sense step. Most people agree the athletes aren't getting enough, or at least they could get more. They felt this way when college sports was generating just millions. Now college sports are generating billions with a B. But there has been disagreement on the way to do it. There's been disagreement specifically on the schools paying the players directly. I'm not even sure if I'm fully there yet that the school should pay the players directly. There's complications with that. Title IX, okay, what does softball get, women's basketball, all of that. This seemed like common sense because it's something that happens outside of the university. This is the likeness of the player. It is their name. It is Zion Williamson saying, okay, I have all these Instagram followers already There are people that want to do business with me before I ever stepped on the floor at Duke. I should be able to get paid $200 to sign autographs for an hour at the local Barnes & Noble or the local Dick's Sporting Goods. What's wrong with that? Let me be in a commercial. The NCAA, they've exploited likeness for decades. You have the bookstore always fittingly having the star player's jersey without the player's name on the back, right at the front of the store. And they say, oh, it's just coincidental. It's those jerseys there. The online store got caught. You just type in players' names like Jadavion Clowney and Johnny Manziel, and funny enough, number two Texas A&M jerseys pop up. Or number seven South Carolina jerseys. Kind of an interesting deal. So I agree with this step. I think it was a common sense step. And we'll see how many states follow suit because we're already seeing Florida and South Carolina getting set to present similar uh, legislation. Coming up, just how much blame Mac Brown deserves for the final sequence of number one Clemson's win in Chapel Hill this weekend. This is The Drive. You could try getting your sports news and talk somewhere else. My life sucks quite enough already, thank you. Best to leave it right here on The Drive with Josh Graham. So with back-to-back road wins, the Carolina Panthers are 2-2. Two and two. And Guess who's coming to Charlotte next week? It's Minshew Mania. Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars will be in Charlotte. 1 o'clock kickoff time at Bank of America Stadium. But before we get too down the road talking about what's ahead, Phil Vote, the Panthers.com, was in Houston at the game yesterday, and I want to spend some time talking about that. But before we get to the actual game, Bill, Cam put out the video on Friday right as we were getting off the air. 15 minutes, pretty candid, describing what's going on with his foot and specifically what's happened with him over the last month or so. He he covered a lot and I think really filled in a lot of blanks for us. But the one thing I was interested in, why now? Why? What motivated him to put out this video, you think? Who cares about that? What was up with the bump music? <laughs> Desmond, what do, what do you? Choice was that? That was Desmond Johnson. Do you want to? You want to? Uh, you want to own this up, Des? That was Billy Joel, "Summer Highland Falls." Yeah, which is I've been talking about the past couple of days. So that was that was it was well done. It's uh, Billy Joel's most underrated song. 
That's impressive work by Des. He's excited about this concert at Bank of America Stadium. I saw him last year in Winston-Salem. It's going to be a good show, Bill. You going to be there? I am an old white man. I will be there. <laughs> so the motivation of Cam Newton, you think, putting out this video. Any idea? Um, I mean, I think, yeah, Cam, Cam doesn't, listen, Cam's got a lot of money at stake. Um, I don't, that's not the only reason he's doing it. But I think you know I, I don't I don't think pe- Cam or, or people around Cam uh, um, want him to be seen like he was those first two games, and I think there's they want to remind people that um, that that he can still play, and that the reason why he looked the way he did those first two weeks is because he was injured. And here's a guy who you know wouldn't make excuses for so many years and was clearly one of the toughest quarterbacks we've we've ever seen and we saw him those first two weeks and especially that second week and something was clearly wrong and and he did his best to kind of hold his tongue about it but then eventually it was just uh, how much longer are you going to keep playing this game where nothing's wrong you you got to pull yourself you can't keep putting yourself out there you, you can't keep putting tape tape out there that looks like that because you're not able to make basic quarterback functions right now so I think it was the smartest play for everybody involved just to take yourself off the field and get better. And from a Panthers perspective, go get healthy because the way he was playing wasn't the best for them. Follow Bill on Twitter at PanthersBill. It is Bill both of Panthers.com. What was the most interesting thing you saw in the video? Um, nothing really all that much. I mean, I think it's, we could get into a whole media discussion here. I don't think media is ever going to win when they complain or bring up how what guys should be doing and how they should be handling and talking to media. Um, as someone that used to work with athletes on controlling their brand and controlling their messages, I find that fascinating. Um, I find it fascinating at the beginning that you know Cam says, "Well, I'm going to do this on my own terms, so I'm going to sit here and tell you because I'm this is how I'm comfortable." He's not comfortable, clearly, as we've seen over the years, standing up at the podium and having questions asked of him. I'm the same way. I hate when people ask me like questions, like especially like personal questions. So, um, I, you, I, I get where Cam's coming from. Now, you could say, well, that's part of his job; he should be answering those. But I, it, I think those people who say that are, are never going to win the, the argument. I think fans are just happy to hear from a person, no matter what the setting is and they don't feel the media is owed anything, and perhaps that is true. Um, so I think in, in one piece of me, it's disappointing that you know Cam won't allow himself to be asked questions like this um, and have you know just kind of a back and forth. But I also think it's you know hearing something as perhaps as filtered as it may be, it's better than not hearing from him whatsoever. Is the advantage a team gets from concealing injuries overblown in your mind? Uh, I think it's all case by case. Um, I think in this in this case, I don't think there's any concealing. I think they believe that Cam was fine, and I think that um, he he you know was putting himself out there. Now, if he wouldn't have complained after the Thursday night game, would they have then sat him down and been like, Cam, clearly something's up with you? Yeah, I, I, probably. But, um, you know, Cam was the one who came up from the next day and, and said something about it. But I think that question's all case by case. 
Bilbo, Panthers.com with us here. Yesterday, the following things happened in this Houston Texans game that Carolina won. You had three lost fumbles by Kyle Allen. That's been well documented. The Texans missed a field goal. Trey Turner, KK Short, and Dante Jackson did not play. There was the missed face mask with Bruce Irvin that's gotten a lot of attention from Texans fans today. And and uh, Deshaun Watson missed a couple of deep balls that seemed to be open down the field. Should the Carolina Panthers just theoretically been able to win this game if I gave you all that information beforehand? Um, sure, did you know that they were going to make, the Texans were going to make a horrific play call having DeAndre Hopkins fill that ball <laughs> in the red zone? There's that too. Or... Deshaun Watson miss on those those two throws to open receivers, you know. So it's 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 a weird game, you know. Where were we even talking two weeks ago? Uh, you know, the whole "woe is us" type thing. Zero and two. Whereas if Christian McCaffrey went that final yard and a half against Tampa Bay, or if the Panthers made another play or two against the Rams, it's just that's why people are so addicted to the NFL. And in 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 it's how you have a job. It's how I have a job because. We overanalyze these things to fill up time in the weeks, in, in, in the six days in between games, where it's like if you actually just take a deep breath, not everything is like as crazy as it should be each and every week. But because the NFL allows you to stew on these things for six days, you analyze every single play and like, oh, this shouldn't have happened, or this should have happened, and what could have been, and all this other stuff. Um, that's why, like baseball, basketball, you kind of move on the next day. Football, this stuff just kind of lingers, and so there's a natural inclination to uh, just overanalyze everything. And so the Panthers could have won their first two games. Um, I think they handily won in Arizona, but they could have lost yesterday. They could, you know, but so I think it's fair that they're two and two. And all, after after a month of talking about it, it's they're they're, they're probably where they should be. I couldn't agree with you more when it comes to what we do in the media and dissecting too much. I said this Friday after the Eagles-Packers game that not every single game has to mean something. It doesn't have to mean anything about Aaron Rodgers in the big picture. Sometimes a team wins and then the other team just so happens to be on the field and loses. But if we're going to broaden it to just the two games that Kyle Allen has played without looking at just specific plays and numbers... What do you think we've learned about the Panthers as a whole, seeing what Kyle Allen's been able to do in leading this team to two road wins? Well, I had multiple conversations with Dave Tepper near the end of last year and in the offseason, and he was so adamant about what we have to do is we have to find somebody that if Cam's going to be out for two to three weeks, that we will have somebody that will be able to fill in. And I think after, you know, after, after the preseason, people were pretty skeptical of that. It was like, oh boy, now you're back to square square zero again, essentially. Um, but it looks like in three games, going back to last year, the start he had last year, but three games is still somewhat of a small sample size. But I think Cal Allen, at the very least, is capable of making you feel like you can win a game if Cam Newton's not playing. And that's that's where the Panthers wanted to get to. Now, Cam, and is he healthy? When's he going to be healthy? That's That's a whole other issue. But in the meantime, at the very least, I think Kyle Allen has proven he can play a bat as a backup quarterback in the NFL. The anti-Cam, anti-cam crowd and, and others would perhaps scream that, no, he's, he's a starter and he's better than Cam already. I, I'm not ready to go there. Uh, but, again, at the very least, this isn't a Nathan Peterman with the Bills situation. So, so, so that's good. Has the pass rush exceeded your expectations? 
Um, the defense the last two weeks has, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not all that surprising that they confused the rookie quarterback last week. It was pretty surprising what they were able to do to, to a pretty potent Houston team in Houston yesterday, um, just defensively overall. Um, so I, 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 I think the pass rush might be getting – it's good. I think it might be getting a little bit too much credit. The, the coverage has been really good the last uh, two weeks. Um, Arizona clearly has had a problem giving up sacks, not just last week, and Houston's offensive line hasn't been very good either. So um, this is why, right, all these things need to be taken with a grain of salt, and why not everything has to mean everything. So the Panthers just beat up on on two teams that are giving up a lot of sacks. Does that mean the Panthers' pass rush is really good? Not necessarily, but maybe maybe it is. So who knows, and that's why... You know, it's, it's, it's maybe look at a bigger picture a little bit longer down the line than really overanalyze everything in this first month. But it sh- certainly uh, has been a good start, and there's reasons for folks to be excited, especially with freaking Brian Burns. He, he, I mean, he in training camp he looked fantastic. Preseason, clearly he did, and and he's really carried it through this first month. I'm interested that you said that you don't like answering personal questions about yourself, Bill. I didn't get that vibe from you. Which personal questions have I answered? Oh, gosh. It depends. Well, like, you know, family members are asking about work or job and uh, um, things like that. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm kind of. Are, are you a better text person or a phone call person? Oh, don't call me. I hate, like, this right here. It's like, can't we just do this over text? <laughs> When's the last time you did a FaceTime chat? Oh, gosh. I accidentally have done it lately, but yeah, no. FaceTime. If you FaceTime me, you'll see the water bottle currently in front of me right now. You don't get to see. Well, unfortunately, I would say you you don't get to see my face. He's on Twitter at Panthers Bill. Thanks for doing this, Bill. We'll see you Sunday. You're welcome. See ya. Got it. That's Bill Vogue. Panthers.com. Come here to talk sports. It is man at his most man. And do it like you mean it. Mm, what you got, Biatch? This is the drive with Josh Graham. Over a span of 14 games, won by an average of 35 points. In the first four games of the year, they blew out still pretty much everybody. Won by two touchdowns against Texas A&M, so I guess they didn't cover there barely. But in three of the four games, or in two of the four games, they covered. Which required a lot, winning by 40 against Charlotte rolling Georgia Tech, even as they weren't playing incredibly well, still covering games to prove how good they are. They have a tight game on the road in the ACC, win by a point in Chapel Hill, 21-20, and now they get knocked down a peg. The AP poll has Alabama at number one, Clemson two, Georgia three, Ohio State four, LSU five, Oklahoma six. Here's my issue. If Alabama had gone on the road and won by a point in Oxford or in Starkville or won by one point in Arkansas at Fayetteville. Do you think they get knocked down a peg? Do you think they go from one to two? I don't think there's a chance in hell that happens. Clemson should not have dropped the spot in the AP poll for winning on the road in the ACC. This is an indictment on the ACC. It's blatant disrespect 
I won't go as far to call it SEC bias, but I always do find it funny when people say the ACC is down because FSU and Miami aren't having great years. Meanwhile, if Kentucky comes up there as in the top 10, one of the best teams of the SEC, nobody's laughing. They're just giving Mark Stoops all the credit. No, if Syracuse is ranked in the top 15, that means the league is back. If Wake Forest and Virginia are in the top 25, congrats to the Deeks being in the AP poll for the first time since 2008, by the way. If that happens, that means the ACC is down. But when some of the lesser programs, Ole Miss and Kentucky, they are competitive moving up the ranks. Oh, it just means the SEC has more depth. It's ridiculous. There's a little bit of bias there. I don't think this happens any chance to win SEC team. I don't think it happens to Alabama, Georgia, LSU. Nick Saban would lose his bleeping mind. He might even pick up that Coca-Cola thing on his podium and chuck it at a reporter if they voted against Alabama dropping in the poll. Your thoughts are welcome on Twitter at SportsUpTriad. Desmond Johnson, Aaron Gabriel in the control room taking your calls, 336-777-1600. Yes, Aaron. I don't know. That that UNC team did just come off a loss to App State. And even fine. though we know in around so, this area that App State is a good program. So imagine what App State would have done to Clemson. <laughs> yeah, Sounds nice. Mountaineers, baby. Eli Drinkwitz will be a guest on the show on Friday. But give North Carolina credit. North Carolina, they didn't make any mistakes. They didn't turn it over. They They didn't get gashed in the running game. Like, they didn't let Clemson do anything in between the tackles aside for the Travis Etienne touchdown at the end of the first half. That's the only time I remember Clemson finding a big hole through the Carolina defense. So give Jay Bateman credit. Give Phil Longo credit. Give North Carolina credit. It's a slap in the face to the ACC that Clemson goes down a spot in the poll because for the first time in literally a year, Clemson's playing to the wire. Yes, Dave. I don't understand why, especially in the AP poll, it feels like there's this, there's such a bias towards the SEC. Like before the weekend started, and if I'm not mistaken, it's still going on. In the top five, three of the top five were SEC teams. I just read the top five. None of those teams have played anybody really the past five weeks. So what makes them top five ranked? Like <sighs> honestly, other than the names that are uh, on their well, jerseys, they're, they're rolling teams. And this, in a, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have the AP poll until right now. But since you do, it will be the bane of my existence till the end of time. While I have this platform, I'm going to be railing against the AP poll. It only exists to drive television ratings. So you have a 6 next to a 13, and somehow that means it's a big game because nobody knows the coaches or the players in college football. Nationally, you need that to drum up interest. Hey, you have these great teams playing each other, even though we don't know really how good these teams are in the preseason when we set the poll. That's all good and well for the first few weeks, but a month in, here's the issue you have. Clemson was preseason number one. Now, in order for the preseason poll to hold any weight in anybody's mind, you have to have a reason you pick Clemson to be number one, which means if you're going to knock them off, you have to have a reason to knock them off. So then you're comparing, oh yeah, what's the quality of the team that this team's playing versus the quality of this opponent? How many wins is... How many points is too many points? How many points is not enough points? I hate playing that game. If you had the poll come out tomorrow, October the 1st, and you had a full month of games to evaluate, then I think you get a more accurate poll. Like, I wouldn't have an issue if there were, was no poll whatsoever, and then the first one came out tomorrow, and Clemson came out number 5th. 
or number five. If Clemson was number five, you'd say that's justified. My issue is that they were number one last week, and then based on one game, you're going to knock them down from one to number two? Based on what? Why? If it's a bigger sample size, I'd probably have Ohio State one right now. Based on the first month of the year, Ohio State's been more impressive than I think Alabama has. Georgia has a win against bleeping Notre Dame, and they're behind Clemson and Alabama. Why? Well, because you had Bama and Clemson there at the very beginning. It's a sham. We shouldn't even have the AP poll till right now. If it was me, it'd be Georgia and Ohio State at the very top, then Bama, then probably Oklahoma, then Clemson. But since you already had the poll and Clemson's number one, you have to have a reason to knock them off. And I don't think winning by one point on the road in the ACC is enough to say, yeah, you deserve to be knocked down a peg. You won the game. You're devaluing winning a conference game. I I don't think that's fair. You know, it's funny, too, because at the beginning of the year, what were we told? That Carolina needed to beat South Carolina because it's an ACC versus SEC matchup. And they did. And that would give us juice, right? So shouldn't that give Clemson juice for beating that North Carolina team that beat South Carolina? Beat an SEC team, beat Miami. Yes, Aaron? But lost to App State. App State's good. I know, they're but good. we we know App State is good. But on a national stage, they App should State know they're good too. If you're an AP voter and you don't know how good App State is, you should deserve you should lose your AP vote. Well, the thing with App, you should the thing with App State though, going into it, they lost their last eleven tries against Power Five schools. So I get the whole not giving that's, App State. The, you can't yeah. keep giving them juice off the Michigan. That's going to hurt them. That's going to losing to App State hurts. It yeah. really it does. Good yeah. for Wake Forest though. They are number twenty two. They are on an open date. So. The wait begins. November the 16th, Wake Forest plays Clemson. And boy, do we feel a lot better about this potential of 9-0 after watching Virginia Tech play Friday night against Duke. Who boy. It's not a good sign when Virginia's Virginia Tech's best athlete is the robot doing push-ups on the surfboard. It's not a good sign. A robot with a helmet on. Not great. <laughs> Virginia Tech got smoked by Duke. So, Wake Forest, open day, Louisville at home, that should be a win. Florida State, eh, out of the three straight home games, that's the one that worries me more. I'm worried more about FSU than I am about NC State because FSU, Alex Hornibrook looked pretty good Saturday against the Wolfpack. But if you take care of business at home, then go to Virginia Tech where Duke just won by a million. We could be talking about 9-0 9-0 Wake Forest versus 9-0 Clemson. November the 16th, college game day. Maybe going to go to Clemson? Maybe? The only other game that competes with that is Auburn and Georgia. You might think uh, that's about a lot better of a game, but you would think if there's any opportunity, any good excuse for college game day to feature the defending champion Clemson Tigers – that would be the game. Like, if you need an excuse, oh, we want to feature Clemson one of these weeks and not go to an SEC stadium every week, this would be the one that we'd go for if it's Clemson, especially if you're talking about two undefeated teams. On top of that, there might be broadcasting reasons why you'd want to do Clemson Wake Forest because that's going to be on the ESPN family and networks, and I'd imagine the SEC game's going to be on CBS. But putting that aside... 
Let's get excited for that. Wake Forest, Clemson, and heck, Deke fans, after watching North Carolina nearly beat Clemson, you got to think there's hope. You got to, they're not going to run into an offense that's as good as Wake Forest's offense this year. I don't think so. So I'm saying there's a chance. I'm, I'm not, I get, I get accused of being a homer for so many teams. I got an email this morning from somebody who said, I am a Duke basketball homer. And let me make sure I get this right because I get a ton of these every week. People alleging what my fandom is each and every week. But, uh, well, there's a lot more scrolling than I think I need to do here. Des, you want to filibuster? Yeah, I'll, I'll help you out here. Um, looking at Wake Forest's schedule, I don't. I, normally I don't try to get on the hype train early either for other teams other than my own. But looking at their schedule, like you said, Louisville, Florida State, NC State, if they can get through those, and then a Virginia Tech team that never gets smoked at home at Blacksburg at night, and they got smoked by Duke embarrassingly, I think you're looking at a Wake Forest team that could be sniffing the top 10 by the time you get there. If they're, if they're 9 and Top 15 Wake Forest. I mean, it's, it's doable. Let's go. It's doable. I'm a Clemson football homer. I'm a Clemson football homer, Duke basketball homer, according to somebody in the audience. Have, have people eventually figured out, have they figured it out at this point that I don't care? Like, I, I really, really don't you really care. You really don't. You like, really do not care. I mean, <laughs> I said nice things about North Carolina just a little while ago. I got something for North Carolina fans a little bit later that you might not like. Uh, NC State, I mean, they, they haven't given me much reason to say good things. I liked their team last year, maybe a little too much. Eh. I mean, you went to ECU, so I get that. Oh, well, and even that, you're not like eh. all on air. Yeah, ECU, you're not even like that. I, I was in the stands for the first time like three weeks ago for a game at Navy, and I left at halftime because it was 35 nothing. I know who Josh likes, but I'm not going to say it. Oh, please do. No, I'm not going to put it out No, there. now you have to. No, yeah, it's inside information Aaron, like that. Aaron, you can't just it's say like my ace, It's like my ace in the hole. What, are you going to blackmail him with Aaron, it? Like, what, no, no, no. You need, you need to say it now. Good, yeah, Aaron, it? you need to say it now. I Come mean, no, you, you opened up a radio microphone to say something that you can't say. That's uh, It's not that I can't say. It's poor radio for you to is say it? that. It now is. you're just teasing people. Yeah, you're tickling don't, them. Don't be a tease. Don't, don't tickle don't the be, audience. Don't be the tease. Who is it? No, because now I don't want to out him. Who is he it? Does He's doing a great job you. of being neutral. He's Who is it? Out him. I heard your pop say it when we were at Kickback Jacks. What's that? Did you like Carolina? What? Carolina. Yeah. The, the tar- North Carolina Tar Heels? The Tar Heels. What? What? I, this entire season, I got badgered and hammered by North Carolina fans saying that I didn't care about that's the team. Why it's hilarious. That's why I found it hilarious. When You're wow. thinking my dad? Bro. You think my dad knows who I root for? I would, I would bet he knows, he knows more than anybody else. I, I don't root for anybody. <laughs> I don't care. Wow, bro. All this time, you've been sitting here <laughs> as a Carolina Tar Heel fan questioning my fandom of the Tar Heels. you telling me he's a Tar Heel fan too? He's a mastermind. <laughs> He's a mastermind. If I'm a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, I'm wow. also a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. It's impossible for both those things not to be true. Sociopaths <laughs> function well in society. These things happen. They could be fans. Yeah. That was a poor double negative on my part. <laughs> you tried uh, to squeeze it in there. I drive. Like, you slid it in it's there. It's brought to you by our friends at Pie Guys Pizza and more. Try the Graham Slam pizza. It doesn't matter if you're a closeted Carolina fan or somebody who loves App State or Clemson or whoever. It's good pizza. And we can all get behind good pizza. There there are so many things that divide us in this country today. Something that brings us together 
is delicious pies and delicious pizza pies specifically. So grab one of them at Pie Guys Pizza and more and try the Grand Slam pizza if you have it already or the delicious dessert of a Moravian sugar cane pie. Right off of Louisville Clemens Road, it's the Kinderman Village Commons, Pie Guys Pizza and more online at pieguys.com, a terrific sponsor of the program. You, you felt like you had something like real secret information there, Aaron? Yeah, because y'all, you take such great pride in staying in the middle. And no, really it's just who I am. <laughs> you really do. It's just who I am. That's, that's your flag. So you are listening way. to WSJS Winston-Salem, <laughs> WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, WMFR High Point. Those signals making up. Sports up, try it. Sports talk. Saluting the fellow sportsmen. If you're talking about it. I'm talking truth. We're talking about it. Who are you talking to? Sports fans everywhere. This is Radio. The Drive with Josh Graham. In the newest AP poll, Clemson unseated as the number one team in America, Alabama. Now number one. The Tigers dropped to number two following a one-point road win in Chapel Hill Saturday afternoon. Meanwhile, Wake Forest, for the first time since 2008, ranked in the top 25 AP. Uh, AP top 25. They're in at number 22. Virginia loses to Notre Dame. They drop to number 23. To kind of figure it all out, we welcome in ESPN's Roy Philpot now. One of the best college football play-by-play man ESPN has going right now. Roy, you've spent some time in Clemson. I wonder what you make of this. Should Clemson have dropped from number one to number two based on the first close game they've played in practically a year? Well, first off, Josh, good to be with you. I hope you guys are doing well up there in North Carolina. Secondly, uh, the answer, the, the short answer is yes. And yes, it's been a while since Clemson has really been tested, even going back to the college football playoff. But when you face a team that's coming off a home loss to Appalachian State, and Appalachian State's good. I mean, Appalachian State may be in the Cotton Bowl in January by the time it's all said and done. Think about that for a second. But when you lose at home to Appalachian State, and uh, you lost two in a row coming in, and Clemson comes in as a four-touchdown favorite, and you need to hold... North Carolina off on a two-point play with a minute to go to sneak out of there with a win, it it leaves a bad taste in the mouths of the AP voters. So, yes, in my opinion, and I posted it on Twitter right before we went on the air down at UCF Saturday night, right as that game ended, I said, you know, my best guess is Clemson will fall from number one and Alabama will be number two, or will will take their place, and Clemson will fall number two. Um... It, it, it was in the minds of the voters, the eye test, and if you watch Tua Tungavailoa and the way that offense has operated this year, they have been literally flawless in the downfield passing game. I know that the, you know, the teams they played haven't been great, but they demolished Duke, who just demolished Virginia Tech, as we all saw Friday night. Um, at least they had that win on their resume. That, that was going to be more than enough for the voters to go ahead and make that move. It, it doesn't really matter right now. It, it doesn't matter at all, but I, I would have voted Alabama number one after watching Clemson escape Chapel Hill with that two-point play and a narrow victory. Here's why I think it matters. If Clemson, it shows that that the the AP voter doesn't pay any respect to the Atlantic Coast Conference. I'm I'm convinced if Alabama beats any SEC team on the road by one point, 
they don't get knocked down from number one to number two. And it shows me that the AP, in the AP voters' mind that if Clemson loses any game from here on out, they're probably not going to make the college football playoff without getting any help. I would agree with all of that. And the ACC, whether you like it or I like it or anybody in the geographical footprint likes it right now, is not viewed very positively by just about anybody with a college football pulse. And there's certain you know claims you could make that you would dispute that or things that would uh, you know certainly support that. But I think that's just where it is. Perception is reality. That's the perception, and that plays into what you're saying. Alabama's going to be tested multiple times in the next couple of weeks with their schedule. Clemson probably isn't. And to that point, despite the brand that Clemson has built in the last six or seven years, the schedule is so weak. And, you know, Texas A&M losing at Auburn, I don't think, helps matters. Clemson pummeled Texas A&M at home. But the schedule is so soft. If they were to slip up somewhere, uh, especially in a game in which you're favored by four touchdowns, yeah, you're going to need a ton of help. I mean, listen, that happened against Pittsburgh back in 2016, and the day that it happened, and that was a home loss for Clemson, the day that it happened, you know, two other teams right there ranked with the Tigers all lost, which helped propel Clemson into the playoff that year and hopefully the national championship. It's not impossible if they were to lose a game, but if they do, I do think that they would require help, and you would need a couple of other teams uh, to lose one and one one game and maybe maybe twice by the time it's all said and done. I, hey, that's perception right now. And perception is reality, especially in college football. It's ESPN's Roy Philpot with us. I think ultimately what my bigger issue is, it's the preseason AP poll, and I think what we do or what voters do, they look at what the poll was the week before, and you're not yeah. asking necessarily who the better team is. It's like, did, did, all right, well, how many points is not enough in order – to impress or to maintain your spot, it almost sounds like that this top five that we're looking at of Bama 1, Clemson 2, Georgia 3, Ohio State 4, LSU 5, and we'll make it top six, Oklahoma coming in at number six, it would be completely rearranged if, let's say, the first AP poll uh, came out a month in, which would be tomorrow, October the 1st. Well, here's the good news. The AP poll, really, it just doesn't matter. And I say that because when the playoff committee – meets for the first time in a couple of weeks, and they produce their poll. I, I think if they were doing that right now, they may, they may very well have Auburn number one. Just or Ohio State, or Georgia. Beat. Or Georgia, or Ohio State, or whomever. So, again, I you know, I, Clemson falls down a spot. The perception of the ACC is not great. I, I just don't think it matters at all. The one thing I posted on Twitter was that uh, the only thing that really counts is that they found a way to win the game. And, you know, if they continue to do that, uh, they'll be among the top four teams in. I don't know if they're going to be number one in the grand scheme. You know, I, I don't know that that matters a whole heck of a lot. And Clemson fans would all just say, yeah, we want to play the semifinal game close to home in Atlanta as opposed to going all the way out to Phoenix. I hear you. But if the ultimate goal is to win a national championship, I mean, you, it, I don't know that that makes a ton of difference. I, I just don't think it does. If you're good enough to win it, you're going to win the game, whether it's in Phoenix or Atlanta, and regardless of what the, the home crowd looks like at, at either one of those venues. So, uh, Josh, honestly, it, it just doesn't matter a ton. You want to be one of the top four. If you're in the top four, you have a chance. The AP poll doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what those committee members think in about a month or so. And so a lot can change between now and then. But, look, Auburn, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, I mean, they don't play anybody, but they're just drilling everybody with Jalen Hurts, and that surprised me. Maybe they're the number one team. So 
Uh, we'll know more in about three to four weeks when the committee comes out with their first poll. All the all the talk between now and then is just talk. It, it really just doesn't matter a whole bunch. Are you buying into Wake Forest at five and zero? I like their offense. I like their quarterback. I'm not buying Wake Forest as a team that's going to contend or challenge with Clemson. Now you could say, hey, they they had an easier time with North Carolina, arguably. I I get that, but. Um, I, I think Wake Forest looks like an eight or nine win team and a fringe top twenty-five team. So to that extent, yes, I'm buying it. And I, you know, we all know Dave Paulson's a great coach. If he were to get Wake Forest, let's say to ten or eleven wins this year, then maybe somebody else comes calling and they try to, you know, try to get him out of Winston Salem. He's good enough to do something like that. But I like the team. It's got a different vibe to it. They can score. They can throw. They're a little bit more explosive. You know that they're well-coached on both sides of the ball. I'm buying them. I, I don't know that I buy them winning 10 games or buy them winning the Atlantic Division buying them. People criticizing Mac Brown's two-point call today. Fair or unfair? Ooh. You know, before that, before when they were driving, uh, again, back to Twitter, I, I, I pose the question, will he go for two? Because I, I think everybody that knows Mac felt like he would go for two, and of course he did. I agree with the call. You can argue against it because, you know, they had some mojo in their favor on that final drive. And, you know, it just it, it felt good at Keenan Stadium. There was a good vibe there, and so maybe you find a way in overtime. I agreed with the call to go for it. I, I didn't like the option, and it's easy for us to – to look back and say, well, that wasn't the right call to make. Clemson was waiting on that. And if you go back and you look over Dabo Sweeney's tenure, I, I, I want to say since like 2008 when he was the interim coach, there's been 14 or 15 two-point tries against Clemson. Only one team has converted a two-point play, and it was like 2015 South Carolina in a meaningless situation. Uh, everybody else is like, you know, over. So, like, teams are one for 15, I want to say, in two-point plays against Clemson took over a big part of that is Brent Venables they had scouted Carolina they had seen that play in a in a two-point situation before they were expecting it and it was defended like they knew what was coming so yeah you would like to have and maybe tried something else especially if that's what you had already shown uh, so I you know I wasn't a huge fan of the call and especially with the defense that you know has that kind of speed to get to the edge but I like the fact that he went for it, and I like what he had to say afterwards, you know, justifying it. That's, that's Mac Brown. Mac, Mac is doing good things. He is doing great things in Chapel Hill. And in a year or two, they're going to win the Coastal Division and kind of be right where they were when Larry Fedora got him there. What was that, four years ago now or so? So he, he's doing a great job. He'll continue to do a great job. He's going to put Carolina back on the map in football, and he, he kind of did that already this weekend. Give me a little bit more something on the two-point play against the number one team and defending national champions at home with a minute to play. Give me, give me something a little bit different. Two observations I had fieldside to confirm kind of what you're saying there on Saturday. I was on the North Carolina sideline when uh, they score the touchdown, and I'm looking straight at Mac, and he goes straight to Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator, and it was clear there wasn't much decision to be made. They were going for two, and Mac said after mm-hmm. the game that Longo – he liked this play, and yep. after the fact, Dabo said as much kind of what you just hinted at and what was obvious in seeing the play, that Dabo told his players, hey, they're going to go for two if they score. He, pre- he prepared the team defensively so they weren't shell-shocked when they roll out there trying to win the game. And then 
Dabo said Brent Venables expected speed option. And that's exactly yeah. what they ran. And that's why the guy gets paid $2 million a year to be the defensive coordinator. Coaching instincts and having that type of film study where you understand what they might run in a two-point situation. Last thing for you, Roy. Um, there's this story out of Mexico City where someone stripped butt naked at a Walmart when they were accused of stealing, shoplifting something. To prove that they didn't shoplift, they stripped butt naked. Uh, did you ever shoplift something as a kid that you remember? Oh, my gosh, yes. What, what a random question. <laughs> uh, my, my two daughters are right here, so i got to be careful. But, yes, I did. It, it was a pack of cigarettes from the grocery store, and we, we just about got busted. So it was a very scary incident, <laughs> and, and I never did anything like that again. But, yes, I, I am guilty as charged with that. How about that? that that's that's the most random question I've ever been asked in a radio interview, Josh. You win that award this week, yes! buddy. Yes, you're the reason I changed my Twitter handle, Roy Philpot. You gave us that <laughs> advice. I had to return the favor with something. Oh, that's good. And, and by the way, my, my youngest daughter just looked at me and, and said, Daddy, were you smoking cigarettes? So I, oh, I no. appreciate you opening up this oh, no. word. I'll, I'll let you get. I'll, I'll let you Thanks get. Lot, buddy. I'll let you get to that. Uh, appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, yeah, anytime, I guess. <laughs> That's Roy Philpott of the ESPN.